The Disability Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this month's edition of The Disability Report. Well, on this show this evening, I'll be chatting as usual with Ari Searles, National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa, who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. And Ari will be giving us an update on e-tolls. And in fact, earlier today, he gave evidence in a submission to the Gauteng Commission on e-tolls. He'll also be telling us more about driving ambitions who've been announced as a finalist in the SAB Innovations Awards. And we'll be chatting about distracted driving, which has become quite a buzzword these days. And with September being National Month of Deaf People, I'll be joined on the line by Professor Devet Swanepoel, Associate Professor in the Department of Communication Pathology at the University of Pretoria, and we'll be chatting about the causes of hearing loss. Charles Nyakoa, founder of Deaf Hands at Work, will be in studio with me, and we'll be chatting about the work that they do, his upcoming 200-kilometre silent disability walk, and their send-off dinner at the food barn here in Cape Town. Terry Ann Adams is a person living with albinism and sight impairment who's also a 2014 Casual Day Ambassador and she'll be on the line to tell us what's coming up on Friday. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page, Disability on SAFM, or you can email me directly on disability at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, as usual, we start the show chatting with Ari Searles, and he's the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa. And this month, he'll be giving us an update on e-tolls. And as I mentioned earlier, he today, sometime, he was giving evidence in a submission to the Gauteng Commission on e-tolls. He'll also be telling us more about driving ambitions, who've been announced as a finalist in the SAB Innovations Awards, and chatting about distracted driving. Ari, good evening. Welcome to the show. Are you on your way back from Gauteng now? Uh, Karen, I've just stopped off for a glass of water and uh, to do the interview. So good evening. Oh, thank you. Good evening. How did it go there today? Yes, I think, um, I hope that the listeners are on board every month with <laughs> an update on ETOLs. But so long as they're there, we are not going to go away because we believe that people with disabilities should not be taxed by ETOLs. And so the new Premier of Gauteng called a commission of inquiry to find out from people in Gauteng or various groups uh, representing constituencies, you know, what the social impact socio-economic impact has been of ETOLs. And so we got in slot uh, this morning to have an opportunity to present for two hours on behalf of the disability sector. And we're very grateful for Gauteng, uh, the new Gauteng government, uh, to listen to people now, something that probably should have been done before. Having said that, uh, Quasa has just signed an agreement with Samuel, and uh, we think we're now on the right track with Samuel, um, where they're going to look at our uh, exemption proposal. So... Uh, Having said that, I've got nothing bad to say about Samuel at the moment, and hopefully that we can broker an exemption um, system through the ETOLs. And so stand by, maybe in, uh, uh, at least within four months, we'll have an opportunity to celebrate and say that people with disabilities will be able to be exempt through the system. Well, it's a good thing you're starting with this, Ari. Well, you're not starting with it, you're continuing with it, because there's talk of ETOLs in, in KwaZulu-Natal, there's talk of ETOLs in the Cape, um, and you know, the sooner you get this sorted out for, for everybody once and for all, the better it will be for everybody around the country once you get this working. Yes, it's awkward for me to present my personal view on urban tolling, uh, but certainly I think now that um, people have realised that uh, you know people with disabilities have stopped circulating because of the ETOL system, and now we can have an opportunity to explain how we can circulate within the system 
without being told, so to be exempt. Um, so stand by, hopefully some good news quite soon. And the good news about driving ambitions. They've been announced as a finalist in the SAB Innovations Awards. Yes, we've actually just um, been through the, the, the final adjudication, and we're very proud as Quasa to have our Driving Ambitions Program, which is a project where anybody that needs to learn to drive in, in an adapted vehicle can uh, subscribe to the program and this test in the criteria. And the program is running in Gauteng only at the moment, and we're hoping that we'll franchise it into Eastern Cape, Western Cape, and KwaZulu-Natal. And so we're one of 19 finalists. So the judging has been done, and we'll hear in November. Um, and, you know, obviously we're holding thumbs. We think we've got a reasonably good chance. We've seen our opposition, and they're all very, very interesting projects. And ours, at least, is up and running. And so we're looking, if we win the prize, to invest in, in franchising it into the other provinces. So... Hopefully everybody that uh, wants to learn to drive and people that have been through the program will hold thumbs for this amazing, innovative project of teaching people with disabilities to drive. And I know your next thing that you wanted to talk about was distracted driving, but I must just tell you, I've been very impressed. I'm, sorry, before we go on, Ari, where are you? You sound like you're at a wild party. Okay, no, there's a few people walking past me, but they've gone now. Oh, yeah, I, I, thought, sh- I thought I was getting all jealous there. I thought you were at no, a party. No, no, I've shuffled them on. I've shuffled them on. <laughs> Um, I was saying I must tell you how impressed I am here in Cape Town because we've got those signs, those sort of um, electronic signs on one of the, the freeways here. And they started putting up signs encouraging the drivers to wear their seatbelts, which I thought was rather good. And that's, I know that's one of Quasar's pet projects, especially around, around the holiday time. So I'm sure you'd be happy about, to hear about that. Yes, Corin, thanks. You know, we, we do encourage people to use their seatbelts. And now stogelers buckle up. We don't want new members. But in terms of distracted driving, it's now been proven that distracted driving is the biggest cause of road crashes in the world. And I know I've spoken about this on your program before, but just recently um, an investigative journalism program that's on Sunday evenings has has brought distracted driving to the fore. And we're not talking about using your your mobile as hands-free. We're talking about phone off, car on, car off, phone on. So we hope that people will understand and realize now that it's a far greater risk using your mobile than it is driving under the influence of alcohol in terms of a road crash. And so, you know, we we adamant and we will always push the agenda of do not use your mobile while driving because the consequences are catastrophic injury in the the case of a road crash. Rather be safe than sorry. And so our message is, come on, guys. Turn your phones off before you turn your vehicle on. And when you've um, stopped your vehicle, then turn your phone on again. And life can go on as normal with much less risk. I was watching an American program on TV quite a while ago, and there was a young man on there who um, had not been on his cell phone, but he had been changing channels on the radio. And that's another thing. Don't look down at the radio. If it's on a station, just leave it there. You don't have to change before you stop. Just leave it. Yes, we, we don't want ourselves to have too many messages. I think as Quasar, we deal with um, distracted driving from using your mobile phone. Mm, I, I, I pretty much across the board, just don't distract yourself. Concentrate on one thing at a time, basically, which is the bottom line here. Corin, thank you so much for letting us share this message with your listeners. Ari, before you go, it's, it's a day um, to remember for you. It's very, a, a day of, of great, great change in your life. Oh, yes. You know, this week, I, I wouldn't say celebrated, but no. I acknowledge the fact that 30 years ago this week, I broke my neck in a diving accident at uh, Durban's Waterworld. And uh, so I've been going for 30 years. All is good. 
And um, so I'm fine and uh, I've still got lots to do and living a, a reasonably productive life. So thanks for acknowledging that. Uh, I don't think that the doctors ever give many people with spinal cord injuries a long life um, uh, prediction, but uh, I think a lot of us that are, that are doing it. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, one of my missions is to ensure as a leader of Quasa that all people with spinal cord injuries have the same opportunity that I have been given, you know, to integrate into society and to live uh, well and healthy lifestyles. And just just a comment that I saw on Facebook earlier today, Ari, was from somebody who said that finding yourself in this position, you've now gone out and helped so many others, and they were thanking you very much for that. And I'd like to add my thanks, you know, as well, for all the work that you do on behalf of everybody else. So thank you for that, for putting yourself, not, not putting yourself first by all accounts, you're putting everybody else ahead of yourself. Thank you. Kind words from you. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And Ari, once again, great to chat with you, and we'll chat again next week, and uh, you can get carry on on your way home now. Okay, thank you very much, Thanks, Thanks, have a good evening. Good night, bye-bye. Ari Sealis is the national director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. If you're wanting to get your own copy of Rolling Inspiration magazine, I get one every month, and trust me, well, every quarter, it's a fabulous magazine. You really need to get your own copy. They're now available at pick-and-pay pharmacies as well as being sold by subscription. If you don't have a pick-and-pay pharmacy near you, you can still get your own copy. You can subscribe, and to do that, you need to contact them via email on subscription at telcomsa.net. You can also find them on the web on rollinginspiration.co.za. And if you need any information from the Quad Para Association, you can call them on 0860-ROLLING or take a look at their website, Quasa, that's Q-A-S-A, quasa.co.za. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, September is National Month of Deaf People, and joining me this evening is Professor Devette Swanepoel, Associate Professor in the Department of Communication Pathology at the University of Pretoria. And we'll be talking mainly about the causes of hearing loss. Prof Swanepoel, good evening. Welcome back to the show. It's been quite a while. Yes, I think it's been a year, Karen, yes. but it's good to be back. <laughs> Obviously, I think the same time last year. <laughs> but yes. Thank you for joining us this evening. We're talking about the causes of hearing loss. So we talk about hearing loss. It's not necessarily, in every case, a permanent thing. There are some forms of hearing loss which are temporary. Yes, that's right. I, I mean, there's two basic types of hearing loss. The first is we call a conductive hearing loss. That's a, a hearing loss where... It's usually uh, in the conductive component, and we mean by that it's the uh, ear canal and the middle ear system. So something like a middle ear infection causes a conductive hearing loss, and that means that the hearing loss can be temporary as long as that infection is there. When it clears up, then that hearing loss may disappear. And then, of course, the second kind is is the permanent type of hearing loss, um, and that's called the sensory or sensory neural type of hearing loss, where there's actually damage to the hearing organ itself, or to the, to the nerve that relays the, the, the um, signals to the brain. How common is hearing loss in South Africa? Well, it's actually, you know, it's considered a silent epidemic because uh, people don't realize how common it actually is. So the World Health Organization estimates that uh, the, about 5.3% of the population has a disabling hearing loss. That translates to about 3.1 million uh, people in the country. I was actually reading a, a rather alarming statistic that said that, that approximately every day, that's every single day, 17, that's one seven babies are born with or, will, or with hearing loss or will develop hearing loss. I mean, that, that number is rather high. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that is a shocking number. So it's just over 6,000 babies every year that are born with or acquire hearing loss within the first few weeks of life. 
So that's why we are always trying to emphasize the importance of screening for hearing loss. I mean, especially in young children. And the earlier you screen for it, the better. And that's why newborn hearing screening is so important. So they, because I know that there is that test that they can do, but it's not done as a matter of routine once the baby's born. Yes, unfortunately in South Africa, we know from uh, surveys that have been done nationally, less than 10% of, of babies born in this country will have the opportunity to have their hearing screened within the first year of life. So unfortunately, you know, it's also one of those conditions that a clinical examination by a healthcare provider cannot tell you whether your child has a hearing loss or not. You need to do a specialized hearing screening test. It's, it's, it's nothing, um, I mean, it's, it's very quick. It takes a minute or two to do but you do need to get to an audiologist who can do that test for you. Can a parent ask for this in hospital? I mean, is it something that if you ask for it, it could be done potentially? Yes. In some hospitals, it's offered as a service to all parents, and they can decide whether they need to um, or whether they want to have the hearing screening done. But in many hospitals, probably the majority of hospitals, the service isn't available, and I would certainly recommend that parents should ask for that service. If it's not available in the hospital where they're at, they should find an audiologist where they can have that screening done. You know, in many other countries and parts of the world, it's, it's included in the birthing package. And, and that's something actually we're advocating for very strongly because uh, it should be one of those essential services that newborns get. I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about what, something you just said there, Prof. You said parents can decide whether or not they want to have it done. I mean, seriously, is there a choice here? <laughs> yes, I mean, really, uh, should it not be you will be having this done now? Yes, you know, I think, uh, like I said, unfortunately, it's not part of the birthing package. So it is a, uh, oftentimes there's an additional cost involved. Um, oh, okay, that, well, that, then that, I see what that, you mean. Okay. Yeah, that's where parents have to make the choice. But we still feel, you know, it's, it shouldn't actually be an option. It's, it's that important. I mean, it should be as part of you in there having the baby, and this is part of before you discharge. This is part of what happens before you leave, and you shouldn't have to be pay any extra for it. Exactly. It's, it's standard practice. It should be standard new nature mm. care, you know. Right, well, that, that's sort of quite disturbing. But now, we, we spoke about babies. I said some are born with a hearing loss and some develop yeah. it in a, the first few weeks. So what sort of degrees of hearing loss are we talking about across the population here? I mean, is it something that progressively gets worse in a child? Can you develop it as at a later age? I'm sure you can get this noise-induced hearing loss. There's all those sorts of things. So what are sort of degrees of hearing loss are there? Yes, so uh, it can vary. So uh, depending on the cause of the hearing loss, um, uh, the actual degree of the hearing loss, in other words, the severity of the hearing loss may differ. So we can get a mild hearing loss, and then it can increase to a moderate and go to moderate to severe, and then a severe or severe to profound. When we come to the profound losses, that's what we actually term deafness. Um, so, so, so that's someone who has a severe to profound hearing loss. Now, you know, of course, the, the more severe the hearing loss, the more uh, significant the impact on someone's life. Uh, but interestingly enough, even the mild hearing losses in children uh, have been shown to have significant uh, deteriorating effects on academic and uh, vocational outcomes, etc. So, so it is very important to have that looked at. It's not always something that as a parent you would pick up because the child possibly was hearing fine and then it's gradually getting worse. So what should we be looking out for? Let's start off with as parents. We can start, I'll want to ask you in a moment what we look out for in ourselves, but initially as parents, what should we be looking yeah. for in the younger child who possibly couldn't tell you that they suddenly can't hear very well? 
Yes, uh, of course, they can't. And, you know, hearing loss is, is a comp- more complex than we often think because we hear across a, a whole range of frequencies. Uh, the human hearing is actually a marvelous thing. We can hear from very low sounds that you can almost only feel vibrations to, to extremely high frequency sounds. And a hearing loss may, may occur anywhere in that frequency range. That means in certain frequencies, a child may hear quite well. But in other frequencies, important for speech, they, they, they may not hear well. So that means if parents are doing, you know, a, a homemade hearing test where they bang a pot or something behind the child's ear, uh, the child may respond to that, but that doesn't mean they respond to all frequencies and, and to the frequencies that are important for speech understanding. So, so we don't advise those kind of tests at home, but what parents can look out for is um, language development in young children. Uh, that's very important, language and speech development. Any delay in speech and language development is, is, is a, a very important sign to have your child hearing um, checked out. That's the first thing that you have to look at if there's any language or speech problem. And, and then, of course, if, if you feel your child's responding inconsistently to sound or, or not responding consistently to instructions, then, then, of course, that's also a risk factor uh, that, that you should consider. There's also the problem, though, that it could be unilateral or bilateral. I mean, you could lose your hearing in one ear and then, you know, still be able to hear out the other one. That could get very confusing, especially for children. Yes, that's right. So, so usually the hearing losses are in both ears, bilateral, as you said. But there are some cases and there are specific some um, diseases that result only in a unilateral hearing loss. So the children actually function quite well until they get into a school environment where there's lots of background noise. And then a unilateral hearing loss can, can become a significant barrier to educational achievement because then suddenly uh, the background noise makes it it's very difficult for them to concentrate and to follow what's being said in the classroom environment. So that's usually when those children are picked up. I always say, you know, if, if, a, if a parent feels that there's something not just quite right, always go with your gut. I always believe that mothers especially know, know best. If your child's not, you know, functioning to what you think should be their optimum level, take them to the doctor. Yes, uh, I, I can't agree with you more, Karen. And uh, and we always want to tell parents that uh, don't wait. You know, mm. and, and oftentimes some of the advice that healthcare providers give is, uh, and probably to reassure parents, but it's to tell them just wait a, 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 another year. Let's see how the child's speech or language will develop, and and then let's go for a hearing test. But we say, you know, rather go and sort it out uh, and, and and get some clarity on the matter straight away. Because if there is a problem, you want to know early so that, so that interventions can be initiated. Now, for both children and adults, though, what is there any sort of treatment that, that can actually be done to help? Oh, yes. There's a, I mean, we, we, we're fortunate to live in the 21st century. There's a, a whole range of wonderful treatments available for hearing loss. And depending on the type of hearing loss, the treatment varies. Of course, if there's a conductive hearing loss, as we discussed earlier, where there may be a middle ear infection, then a, a medical um, uh, treatment are available, and uh, and that can usually be treated quite successfully, and other conductive losses, of course, also. But then for for more permanent hearing losses, there are a range of amplification options. So, of course, hearing aids is an important uh, part of that, but there's also the cochlear implants for more severe to profound losses. But along with that, there's a whole range of assistive listening devices, so devices that actually help in classroom environments or, or environments where uh, there's lots of noise in the background. 
that you can use something like an FM system or a sound field amplification system that just make the listening environment more favorable for these individuals. So, so it's not just the, uh, the fact that there are hearing aids and cochlear implants. There's actually a whole range of options depending on the type of hearing loss. And then, of course, uh, there's also counseling and the rehabilitation uh, and intervention that has to happen, especially in young children. Now, for people who aren't aware, and I know this is something I've mentioned to someone before, and they, they sort of looked at me as if I was a little bit odd, the yes. fact that something like vertigo, for example, could actually be caused by a problem in your ear. Yes, that's actually quite interesting. Balance uh, problems and, and dizziness uh, is very closely associated with uh, hearing loss. And the reason for that, of course, is because the hearing organ and the balance organ is, is actually part of the, the same organ. It's the it's the cochlea or, or, or the hearing organ, and it's connected to the three semicircular canals that, that are responsible for, for our balance. So it's not just a case of somebody sort of, you know, saying they're dizzy. It could be more than that. So possibly if you're feeling like that often, possibly go and get your ears checked out. Yes, exactly. That's a, that's a very good telltale sign that uh, or risk factor. Uh, and, and the same goes for hearing loss. If someone has a hearing loss, one of the questions we will also ask is, do you have some difficulty with with your balance or, or with dizziness? Because, as I said, they're so closely linked that they often share symptoms. And for also for adults, I was I'm not sure children get tinnitus, but I mean for adults, that's also an indication that there could be a problem with your ears, with your hearing. Yes, that's right. Tinnitus, of course, uh, is that ringing in your ear mm. that many of us have experienced uh, yes. from time to time. But then, of course, if you have a hearing loss, many people suffer from a, a chronic tinnitus. So the tinnitus is there persistently. And, uh, and that certainly is, is, a, is another telltale sign of a hearing loss. And, and usually also of a more high-frequency hearing loss. How much of a family history is involved with hearing problems? Well, that's a common risk factor for hearing loss, especially uh, for childhood hearing loss. So if, if there's in your family uh, a tendency for children to have permanent hearing losses, then that is usually an indicator of a genetic um, uh, type of hearing loss. Although genetic uh, hearing loss causes can actually result in late onset hearing losses in adulthood also. So if there's any trend across generations, then, then oftentimes it's, it's due to a genetic link. I'd like to chat just a bit about some of the myths about hearing loss. And my favorite one, which I go on and on and on about on this program, is about loud music. I know I'm probably making myself sound really old, but I get very concerned about the young people today. Listen to me sounding like granny. When they put those pod things in their ears and they listen to their whatever they listen to, and I worry about that music going so loudly straight into their ears. Yes, no, certainly, Karen. I mean, that's... uh uh, increasingly common risk factor. Previously, the noise-induced hearing losses were due to people working in industry yeah. uh, with a large machinery, and, and that's actually well regulated at present. And, and it sh- most workers are issued with hearing protection, and by law they should do that. So, so to a large extent, that type of noise-induced hearing loss is being managed quite well. But there's this new type of risk factor for hearing loss that's actually a recreational exposure to noise. And, and one of the most important uh, factors for that is, as you mentioned, is, is iPods and, and personal music players that young children listen to. And, and I think the problem is not that you listen to the music. The problem is that you listen to it for such a long period of time and oftentimes at intensities or at a volume that's too loud. I think one of the typical situations is that someone would sit in a noisy environment, maybe uh, on a bus or a train, and they listen to their music, and there's lots of background noise, so they have to increase the volume 
of that uh, personal listening device uh, to, to, to make it loud enough for them to hear above the noise, or, or they do it in the gym, for example. And, and then the, the, the danger is that you're actually presenting that sound at levels that, that can be dangerous to your hearing. But isn't it more dangerous because the, the sound is so directed into the ear with those little earplug things? Those small yes. little earplug things. That's what always bothers me. Now, rather put some bigger, like I'm sitting here now with headphones on, but I'm, I, I think the sound is slightly more diffused than if I had them pronged into my ears. Yes, no, that's absolutely right. There's actually some good research on that to show that the little earbuds that go straight into your ear canal, they, are, they can produce louder sound intensities or sound pressure levels in, in the ear canal that can be more dangerous. So you're absolutely right. And there's just a few other little odds and ends about hearing that people really need to know that when people don't hear well, one of them is, if people don't hear well, it probably means they're getting senile. I mean, that is so far wrong yeah. that it's not even funny. Yes, yes, no, 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 for sure. I think, you know, that one of the difficulties with hearing loss in adults is that it happens over a, for a long period of time. So people tend to get used to it over 5, 10, 15 years. But what happens is that there's actually a bit of a, a change in their habits because of the hearing loss. So, so, so they start to ex- extract themselves from social um, environments because it tires them out, because it's difficult to follow what people are saying. And it, uh, there's actually good research out that has shown that hearing loss in the elderly it has a close link to depression because of, uh, and, and, and in terms of social involvement, just because people tend to uh, stay away from those kind of interactions. So that's why we're always encouraging people also, even not just for children, but also for the, for, for the elderly or for, or for adults who have hearing loss, that it's much better to go for intervention early on so that you can reap the benefits of that and, and actually uh, function as, as you've always done in, in, in social environments before, you, before there's some of these secondary effects that, that start becoming habits in people's lives. The very last thing I want to just pass by you is this other myth about if you shout loud enough, people with a hearing loss will understand you better. Yes. So, of course, as I said, you know, hearing loss um, uh, presents at different frequencies. So sometimes, you know, shouting doesn't make a difference. Uh, what, what really should be done is um, that they should see your face clearly. The background noise should be as low as possible. And, the, and then just speak clearly and, uh, and not ex- in an exaggerated way, of course. Right. Well, there's lots and lots of information that I have here about hearing loss. Uh, Prof, I think you sent this through all this information. Would you mind terribly if I put this up and um, allowed my listeners access to all this information? Yeah, sure. I'd be more than happy for you to put that up. I, I, I think that was partly sponsored by the South African Speech, uh, Hearing and Language Association. Yes. I'm sure they wouldn't mind if I did that. Just that if people wanting any more information about hearing loss, very welcome. Drop, drop me a mail, disability at safm.co.za, and I will send you a copy. It's got wonderful information in there if you'd like that. Professor Swanapul, thank you very much indeed for your time again this evening. It's been wonderful chatting with you again. Yes, thank you very much, Karen. Uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share on hearing and hearing loss again. Thank you so much for your time. Good night. All right. All the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Professor Devet Swanepoel is Associate Professor in the Department of Communication Pathology at the University of Pretoria. To find an audiologist in your area, you can contact the South African Speech, Language and Hearing Association on 86 3297 086-111-3297 or take a look at the website www.sas lha.co.za Sick of always missing your favorite SAFM shows? Well, now you don't have to. 
We have a free podcast service that allows you to access them directly from your cell phone, PC or tablet whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. Go to safm.co.za and click on podcast. This takes you to the SAFM page on iono.fm. Follow at iono.fm on Twitter or like it on Facebook for regular updates. You never have to miss your favorite shows. SAFM podcasts powered by iono.fm. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, for the third straight year, Charles Nyakoa, founder of Deaf Hands at Work, is organizing a 200-kilometer silent disability walk. Now, this event, which has been dubbed the Deaf Walk, aims to raise awareness of the challenges encountered by the deaf on a daily basis. They're also organizing a wonderful send-off dinner at the food barn. And Charles is in the studio with me. The last time we spoke, Charles, we were on the phone. So it's lovely to meet you in person. Finally, thank you very Welcome. much, Karen, for having me. And amazing work you're doing. Before, if people don't know what you do at Deaf Hands at Work, just explain to the listeners exactly who you are and what goes on there. My name is Charles, as you've obviously introduced to the listeners. I founded Deaf Hands at Work uh, end of 2011. It is a social hybrid enterprise where we clothe, uh, work, and sign in Deaf Star in a new innovative approach where we uh, basically have an empowerment program where we train a lot of deaf and disabled individuals from the point where they start getting in the uh, job creation uh, process to the point where we actually have a career program where they work around uh, our construction services to our clothing line, which is called DevStyle. So all of that um, has largely been inspired by the journey which I have had so far with uh, my brother, who is Peter, and he's the one who actually inspired me because he's deaf. So I at first wanted to just create a platform where he would feel that uh, if he is in a work environment, he's able to contribute and he's also able to achieve social economic benefits, the same as I would do in a normal work situation. So obviously I didn't manage to get that, so I ended up having to start one. And uh, so this door which I managed to open, I, I saw that actually it didn't have to close the, uh, just when I managed to have like my brother come through, I, just, I, I found there the, the is actually a lot more which I would be able to do with the little which we had. So that is uh, where we had the whole um, uh, launch of the uh, Defense Network uh, as a social hybrid enterprise. And it's really more about trying to uh, address the, uh, the social capital which we always neglect from uh, individuals who have physical disabilities. If we look beyond our perception, which in most of the cases um, allows us not to be able to appreciate the uh, contribution which they have in the community. So I've seen that uh, from my brother and I feel that like uh, so far it's, it's really a two-year journey which I had so far, but it has actually helped to put a, a very like strong um, sort of a milestone journey within my own personal growth. So all the developmental uh, goals which I feel I actually I'm gaining more are not as a result of very phenomenal people, but the individuals who are considered, you know, the marginalizing the community. Just the, you know, like humble approach on a lot of different initiatives which we do and seeing that this is platform is for them has actually enabled me to be able to uh, self-reflect a lot more than I would have done, I wouldn't have done if I didn't have uh, a deaf brother. 
But this is the amazing thing about people like yourself, Charles, is that you come into, you find yourself in a difficult situation with your brother and you don't let it get you down. You go out, you have to find a solution. And in finding that solution for your brother, you are now finding the solution for loads of other people. It's the most amazing thing. So how many people are you actually working with to, to run Deaf Handsburg? How many of you are there administering this project? Uh, at the moment, um, it actually has been sort of... Um a, an entry and exit a platform where we would like to consider ourselves not only as the sole um, like company which employ people with uh, disabilities or uh, we we tend to see ourselves as uh, uh, facilitators of a team which can actually go out and win a lot of medals. So we've been doing this whole journey since 2011. So up to now I would say there have been more than even 20 individuals who have come through our process. But we have also managed to retain some of them to actually be able to replicate the same success stories which we feel is empowering the communities which we're working around, especially the one which is Maspumelele. And uh, there we already have managed to acquire about five containers where there is already like our administration and then we have uh, guys who are actually working uh, recycling chandeliers and there is also, which is something which you're going to you know Auction, talk into. Yes, yes. yes. And then there are also uh, the guys who are doing uh, the construction part. So we can actually go out with, we're busy at the moment doing a lot of construction work for private homes. And at the same time, recycling a lot of the other, uh, like pallets and uh, wood, which we get, which gets thrown away to start to, to help with the entrepreneurial development of the guys who would already have been skilled. So it is not just a way of saying, now you got a job, this is like where you end. We want to always have the journey with them to actually get to a point where they feel that each and every level, there they is a milestone and there is another challenge which they can actually develop themselves into and tap into the other all the other skills which they might have not even realized they they have so now this 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 walk this is now your second walk 200 kilometers and it's amazing because as you call it the silent disability walk and this is really to I couldn't be silent for 200 kilometers, Charles. How are you going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually the third time, man. Eh? It's your third time. Yes. You, walk, you walk with your brother. Um, I have walked with my brother once, which is last year. And um, I actually started it. It was a very inspirational moment when I was uh, uh, at a... It was basically a St. Luke Hospice um, fundraiser where one of the ladies who I'm really proud to have inspired me uh, was embarking on a 200-kilometer journey. So from then, that is when I had this idea, like I have I have actually missed my brother for so long. So what I wanted to do as a present, because uh, ironically, uh, September's disability awareness month, but my brother also was born in, on the 9th of September. So I wanted to do something which feels that I'm actually able to understand him, not just to give him a birthday present. So if I was going to have every part of me to feel that I'm contributing, that was the work which I wanted to do, to feel like I actually am taking this journey as him. But it totally changed me. Like, I, I wanted to do it the next year again. Just along the journey, like, being able to actually meet individuals where you cannot even voice uh, yourself what you want and trying to find other ways of communicating. And they, of course, having this perception, perception of thinking that actually you, we are talking to a deaf person. Then they have all these names, you know, which to me, I always would be able to identify now uh, the word deafness or blindness was always something negative. 
and I didn't see something which had changed while least I was doing the work, which made me this person who is given a negative name. So I wanted to sort of introspect really, is it, me, is it more about the person or is it about our perception? So I managed to get all those answers after the first walk and then the second walk is sort of reaffirming like to me as a founder, I need to understand what it is actually I'm saying I'm doing here. Do I really know my brother? And that is sort of, you know, where I get this answer. So really, the Silent Mills journey is sort of like a mini 200-kilometer walk, which we can actually be able to do when we have that and we're doing something which we love, like eating. So this, this Silent Meal is happening on the 13th of September. Absolutely. At the Food Barn, which is a fabulous venue here in Cape Town, ah. if people haven't been there before, it's absolutely. I think Frank Dongero is the chef. He there, is yeah. a master chef. Master you know, chef, like, absolute yeah, master yeah, chef. Yeah. And so you're having this. It's a fundraiser, yeah. but it's also an event because mm. it's a silent meal. Absolutely. And for all of us who go out to dinner and talk our heads off, this is going to be a whole new experience. We've had it uh, last year when we had a very small table, about like 20 to 30 people. It was quite phenomenal with the uh, results which we got that uh, we actually were motivated to book the entire restaurant. Obviously, it's not as big. We limited to only uh, about 800 people. So all the tickets which are really going for 289 wouldn't actually do the justice to signify the sort of uh, value which you, we're going to get. I actually tend to look at it not more as a fundraising initiative. It's more of a disability awareness you know, uh, issue. We need to conscientize each other about the main aspect beyond the value which we get from money. And this has always been something which I feel can actually empower us. And after we empowered, then obviously we have all these inspirational journeys which we are able to do in creating role models in different communities. So this dinner is basically the send-off for you to go off on your 200-kilometer walk. But also at the meal, at that evening, you can, you're can you auctioning off some of the amazing products that you make. Absolutely. So we, we actually have been doing a lot of hard work to try to make this more of an experience, which is uh, we feel a defining moment where we're actually representing most of the voices which have been voiceless for some time in form of what we feel we can produce. So um, the products which we're going to actually uh, have includes chandeliers and some of the furniture which we've made from pallets. And at the same time, there have been a number of uh, stakeholders who have been really interested and have been taking the, uh, like the journey with us, who among them are artists who are coming with their range of different art, which they are also donating on the oh, auction. Oh, wow, okay. And so we actually have managed to also have the privilege of uh, the, com uh, the, the comedian, who is uh, Rob Van Vuren. Yeah, oh, yes, he's hilarious. He is Funny. going to, yeah. <laughs> so he's going to definitely sort of uh, bring the light moment, you know, after, obviously, we have the, the silent meal, and then soon after that we're going to have the you know the the auction but one important person who actually will be able to take us through the entire like journey who is going to be our mc is a well-known uh, legendary cricketer uh, like commentator mr uh, rob uh, jackman Oh, Robin Jackman. Yeah. Wow, you've really got the big names, uh, haven't you? Wow, the, the sort of amazing chef, the comedian, the cricket comment. Gosh, you really are sort of up there with all the stars that night. Now, if people are wanting to come to this thing, if you're in Cape Town, they can call your office. Is that Would that be okay? I'll give that out the correct. number. And Absolutely. there's also a website as well. Yeah. And for your things that you make, can people have a look and Absolutely. buy things you've got all on your website? They can have a look. Absolutely. We've done something really special just before we came here. Uh, because, as you know, I'm also studying at uh, UCL. Yes. 
university yes. doing my uh, social you know social entrepreneurship journey uh, with our entire uh, sort of class they managed to have a csr day which was today for defense at work so everything which was made today from doors some of the chandeliers and the stuff we are we have put it on Facebook and it's uh, geared to actually support our silent um, like work and silent new initiative. And at the same time, we're also going to be selling them. Fantastic. Well, it sounds, if you're in Cape Town and you're wanting to go and have an amazing night, I'll give you all the details. But besides that, if you can't make it, I still suggest you go and have a look at the Facebook page and the website and I'll give you I'll give the number. And if you're wanting to possibly get in touch with Charles at Deaf Hands at Work, you can maybe find out what they're doing, what they're making. And it's it's one of those things that maybe you'd like to get involved with wherever you are in the country. You don't have to be in Cape Town. So... Um, Charles Nyakoi is off to do his 200-kilometer walk, um, but before that, he's going to be having the silent meal, which sounds like something, if you are here, you definitely need to go to. Charles, it's been wonderful meeting you finally and chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so very much. And good luck with that walk and for the dinner. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate you having me. Founder of Deaf Hands at Work, Charles Nyakoa. And for more information on what they have to offer, you can contact them on 021-785-7737. That's 021-785-7737. Or take a look at the website. It's www.dhwsa.co.za. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Coming up on Friday, the 5th of September, it's Casual Day. And last year, they had a wonderful year. They raised almost 24 million rand. And hopefully, we're going to raise a whole lot more this year. And Casual Day has a number of ambassadors who go around promoting Casual Day. And one of those ambassadors is Terry Ann Adams. Terry Ann, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. So, you are an ambassador for Casual Day this year. Why have you been chosen as an ambassador? Me being chosen as an ambassador, I think has a lot to do with the fact that I have albinism. And I was um, cornered by one of my old friends, and he asked me to join the program. Fell in love immediately and decided that it is a good way to raise awareness about disability. Now, you're not a stranger when it comes to radio. You're a newscaster and a presenter at Campus Radio Tux FM. I was for a year and a half, and then I took a little academic break to finish my degree. So have you finished now? I've got two months left. Wow, almost done. Gosh, that's quite exciting. (laughs) What are you studying? I do a BA degree in humanities. My specialities are ancient culture studies and history. Wonderful. Okay, so you mentioned that you live with albinism. Tell me how that has impacted your life and how that has affected your family because you're the only person in the family that has albinism. For us, albinism has become one of the biggest social stigmas in our community and it's this whole thing of where people don't like what they don't understand and they could not understand me so I was a kind of an outcast and I was raised an adult because I was raised in the house with no friends my age because they could not grasp what was going on. How did your family deal with this? It must have been it must have been quite difficult for them and for yourself to grow up with this and with the reaction of the communities around you. My late grandparents actually raised me and they were very supportive. They taught me to rather focus on the important things, like getting out of the socioeconomic circumstances I was in. And my family also became this type of support ring, this bullhawk against what was happening outside. So whenever we would go out to the shop and someone would make a snide remark, they would just turn around and give that person a snide remark back. So that was really helpful. 
And as you've grown up, have you taken this on as a bit of a challenge to almost educate people? I've decided that because there is a high chance of me having children with albinism, I do not want my children to go through the same childhood that I went through. And the only way that I can prevent that is by getting the word out, by getting people to understand who we are, what our story is, and that we're just humans. Now, a casual day itself, I mean, your involvement with that, how is that working out for you? It is the most amazing platform. The Casual Day team are the most supportive people. We've become like a little ambassadorial family. And we all, we urge each other on. We encourage each other. And whenever someone has a challenge, like what they want to do with their hair or if their ear is not working, we are there for each other. And it's become this great support family environment. Now, the theme for this year is bring on the bling. What are you doing to bring on the bling? I want to give myself a little sequin number, something <laughs> little golden girls. <laughs> okay. And what are you doing? I mean, what, what sort of projects are you working on? Are you doing anything specific for Casual Day? On Friday, I'm going to be with the other ambassadors. So wherever we get deployed, wherever we can help, that's where we will be. And you, I've just caught you now. You were doing, doing a, a TV interview, I think, just before you spoken to us. So you, you're quite busy when it comes to the media. Yes, we um, are encouraging people right now because it's this crunch time. We've got very few days left and we everywhere. So you're going to see a casual day ambassador everywhere on every form of media. What can we do as the general public to try and... Uh, exceed last year's almost 24 million rand that was raised by, on casual day? The public just needs to come out and buy a sticker. If you bought a sticker last year, why don't you buy two? Encourage your friends to buy stickers. Encourage your neighbors to buy stickers. Get the word out so that we can reach our targets this year. Now, this is a casual day is actually the flagship project of the National Council for Persons with Physical Disabilities. Um, but it, it, it's across the board, basically. And the money raised goes to very good causes. It definitely does. We have 12 national beneficiaries all across the disability sector. We also have 500 community-based beneficiaries that also benefit from Casual Day. And this is every sector in disability has a chance to benefit from Casual Day. And for people can go, there's a website, casualday.co.za, and I'm sure all the information is on there if they want you to find out more. They only have a few days left. And uh, if you were looking for more information, it's all on there. Definitely. You can follow us on Twitter, casualday underscore SA. You can go to our Facebook page and you can just um, follow the ambassadors, go onto our website and you will find out everything you need to know about Friday. Terry, and just going back to your own personal story now, you mentioned that, you know, you're getting the word out there because one day, you know, if, if you're blessed with children, you don't want them to have to go through what you went through. What are you doing in that regard? Because, you know, it's, it's really a mind-changing thing that you have to set in motion here because people, it's to change their whole mindset and their whole way of thinking when it comes to people who are slightly different to them. I've decided now that I'm not going to let my disability live my life for me. So the first step for me is just being the best person I can be so that everybody I encounter in the street cannot see me downtrodden. And that, for me, changes a perspective of people one person at a time, one smile at a time. I'm also very open, so when people come up to me and ask questions, I don't shun them away. I don't get offended very easily. I'm just here to help and to educate. And then I do speak to um, primary school kids who I've formed a bond with, and we just I educate them not about disabilities only but about life in general. Now, the thing with albinism that people might not be aware of is that it also affects your sight. 
Yes, it it does in a very major way. So this this is all about education as well, because you know people might see you and think, well, that's it. But there's a lot more to the condition of albinism than just what people are seeing. What many people don't know is that there are many types of albinism. So there's not just one, and um, a lot of persons living with albinism are affected with different types. So when you see one person with albinism, you don't see everyone. And we're trying to educate people about the different types, and there are organizations that are trying to get the message out so that I might not be the same as someone else. There are some persons with albinism that can drive. My sight is too weak. I'm not able to drive. So that's just like a small example of the differences. So it's not a case of one size fits all. No, no, not at all. So you're very individual people. That, that, that is the whole point, is that getting things like messages across, especially when it comes to casual day time, is that people that have disabilities or have a condition that possibly you don't understand, not everybody is the same. Everybody is an individual person, like we are all individual people. Everybody's an individual person. You just might have something, a condition that maybe we don't have, but you are still an individual person. The thing that people often forget as as much as they hate being grouped, they group others. Every stereotype is wrong. Racial stereotypes, gender stereotypes, stereotypes for persons with disabilities. And people forget that grouping people, they do it because they think it's easier to understand people. But it is not. You're not understanding anyone by putting them in a box. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, And, and people need to understand that. But I think, are we getting any better, though, do you think, Terry Ann? Have you seen an improvement in people's attitudes at all over the years? It is an up-down cycle. It also depends on where you are at the moment. I've had a, an incident a few weeks ago, and that was where I grew up. So one would think that, you know, where I grew up, it would be better in 2014, but it is not. So it's this up-and-down cycle. It depends from person to person how they react to you. Well, maybe we should all sort of, as part of Casual Day, make a conscious effort starting now, if you haven't started before, to try and just understand and accept people for who they are, not, not sort of looking at them as being different. But, I mean, because they might look at you as being different. I mean, you know, there might be something about you that, that somebody might find different. We all ha- are different. We all have something about ourselves that makes us individual. And that is where we have to get to, I think, to a point that we just all understand that we are all people who are possibly different to each other. That's it. I often tell people that if you're buying a tin rand sticker, you're not just financially contributing. You're also contributing by standing in solidarity with people that are misunderstood. And your buying a sticker shows that, hey, I'm changing my mindset mm. today. I'm supporting pe- persons with disabilities. Do you think we'll ever get there, Terry? And I, I hope so. I really do hope we will get there to that, to that point sometime. I think we have to get there because nobody deserves to live in someone else's shadow. It's also a lot of the time, especially with something like albinism, though, do you find in certain communities it's looked upon as something that's possibly to be avoided at all costs, not just misunderstood. It's just a case of we, we, we can't be near somebody like that because it could be a dangerous thing, it could be a contagious thing. It's all those things that need to be dealt with as well. Definitely. The social stigma, like I said, it plays a big role. And because I studied history, um, I was very interested in how pe- persons with disabilities have been treated over time. And over time, it has been the same old story where if you were a person with a disability, they, some people did euthanasia. Some people were thrown out of their communities. Some people were killed at birth 
just because they had disabilities. And now is the time, we are now in the 21st century, it's time for us to move away from old methods and old practices and to kind of include persons with disabilities. Well, Casual Day, as we mentioned, coming up this Friday, the 5th of September, make a start in your own mind. Make a start that from now on, if you haven't done it before, we are now going to start looking at people as individual people, not by condition, but just that they're people. I mean, that, that is really all we're all wanting is just to be acknowledged as just people. Definitely. And that it couldn't be more simple than that. So get your minds together, get our thinking straight, and hopefully this year, if you have, as I said, if you haven't done it before, Friday the 5th of September, buy your sticker. Where can people get them from, Terri-Anne? Uh, stickers can be bought at Edcom stores, also Game and Dion Wired, and then you can get them at your ShopRite and Checkers. So pretty much everywhere. Yes. Pretty much everywhere. Ten rand a sticker, and you will be making a difference to somebody that really needs your help, but also you need to help yourself this year. We're going to start now a new mindset, hopefully starting this year. Terry Ann, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, and good luck for Friday night. I hope you enjoy your bring on the bling. You're going to look, you said, all glitzy now. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to dress posh. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a fabulous day looking posh and enjoy it. And, and congratulations on being chosen as one of the ambassadors and a good luck for the rest of the week. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I was chatting there with Terry Ann Adams, and she's one of the ambassadors for Casual Day this year. And Casual Day, as I keep on mentioning, is coming up this Friday, the 5th of September. And the stickers are 10 Rand. You can get them almost anywhere, as Terry Ann mentioned. You can also find out more on the website. It's casualday.co.za, and you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook. So go off and have a look, and uh, please go out there and buy your sticker. It's just 10 Rand. Be part of the 16th Annual Durban Business Fair taking place from the 19th to the 21st of September 2014 at the Durban Exhibition Centre, connecting business fairs globally. Durban Business Fair is one of the largest small micro-medium enterprise exhibitions in Africa and this year will feature Business Connect, Business Seminar by Black Business Council, Business Fair Awards and Business Workshops plus many more features aimed at growing small businesses. Etequini Municipality invites you to be part of this unique business experience. Entrance is free. For more information, visit www.dbnbusinessfair.com, follow us on Twitter at DBN Business Fair and like us on Facebook, Durban Business Fair. The world's most successful singing competition, The X Factor South Africa, is here. And our contestants are singing for their lives. And to judge their fate are three legendary powerhouses in the music industry. Arno Costens, Zonke and Oskido. South Africa, have you got what it takes? Catch The X Factor South Africa on SABC1, Saturdays at 6pm from 6 September. Brought to you in partnership with the KZN Provincial Government and proudly sponsored by Vodacom. The Disability Report with Karen Key. And before I go, I must just tell you, I received an email from the disability rights team and they tell me here that the South African Revenue Service has over 30 opportunities for talented and vibrant graduate trainees and learners with disabilities. If you're interested, you can visit the SARS website at sars.gov.za and there should be a tab there that says Jobs at SARS Graduate Program. The deadline is the 7th of September, so you don't have too much time left. And if you want to email them for more inquiries, you have anything you want to know about this, it's HR. Our disability help desk at sars.gov.za and if you want me just to send you those details email me on disability at safm.co.za 